listening to About That, and this is our second episode where we are sitting down with legendary Philippine broadcast journalist, Miss Cheche Lazaro, who has given me permission to let you all know that she is in her 70s. Yes. Um, and she has lived very many interesting stages uh, in her long career in terms of covering the news in the Philippines. But more importantly, I would like to speak with her also about her experiences just uh, in general as a woman. Mm-hmm. who has seen not just the media change, but mm-hmm. the world change over the last few years. And I remember, ma'am, you told me years ago when I was not sure what I was doing and I didn't know where I was headed, that it was okay to be unsure because you mm-hmm. said that it took you several years, in fact, not until you were in your 40s, to even begin Probe, yes, that's right. which has become the you know one of the most important broadcast journalism icons in the Philippines. A Probe mm-hmm. is a news magazine that started decades ago and has generated some of the most important journalists in the Philippines. Have you been feeling any pangs? I mean, is that something that you <laughs> have, have been, been feeling? feeling like a dinosaur? <laughs> yeah, a you, you mentioned that you came to probe very yes. late in life. And yes, I did. In fact, uh, I've always been fascinated by journalism and media because I was born at a time when television was just beginning. As a as a viewer, you know, you get fascinated by this little box that produces all of these figures with people talking, people doing stuff. And you get so influenced by that beginning of a media milestone, which is now comparable to the computer and now social media. And the changes and the upheavals that have happened from that time, which was sometime in the 50s in the Philippines, up to today have been tremendous. And we have seen that happen. And while I was fascinated by it, it wasn't really a career path at the time I was in school. It was new. It was just a, uh, it was just a minor speck in the academic spectrum. So when I, when I went and took my, my graduate studies in broadcasting, my fascination deepened. And so I've always had that in the back of my mind, but never had it as a career path. So when the opportunity came to open a company, start a company called Pro Productions, that happened when I was already in my 40s. So it was a late choice. So I say that, you know, as long as you love what you're doing, you'll never really work a day in your life. And that has been my unique experience. What was it in your 40s that happened that made you think, oh, I want to do this? Ah, What was the trigger for that? The trigger was a little voice telling me in my head, if you don't try, you'll never know if you will succeed. And because of that little voice that kept on nagging me, you know, because when you say, oh, I'm already 40, I'm past. I mean, others have done this in their 20s. Others are doing this in their 30s. You're 40. How? Why Why are you going to start at a late age? Then this voice said, hey, you know, Chacha, if you don't try now, you'll never know if you will succeed. If you fail, at least you tried. At that time, the only venue at least from my pers- per perspective, was to become a newscaster because that was the role that you saw. There were newscasters. You didn't see reporters in the field. There were no stand-up reports. There was nothing. It was just a straight report, uh, B-roll, and some voiceover. That was it. So there was no role modeling for reporters. So I said, okay, let me apply as a newscaster. I did. And I was rejected in the major stations, in all the major stations. I, I forget now how many, two or three that I applied to. I was rejected. So the nagging voice, I told the nagging voice, see, I tried. And the nagging voice said, you have to try again. 
you have to try and do something. So the idea of starting my own company and starting a news magazine program, which was in back of my head at that time, was born. Let's do a news magazine because there was no there was news, yeah. huh? And there were talk shows, but there was no news magazine. Yes, there were there were role models in the states like sixty minutes, which I had been watching and admired for the quality and the. I was interested in their stories. I thought this is a nice way to tell a story. You have pictures, you have words, and uh, you have somebody interviewing. This is nice. This is a combination of several elements. So that's how the idea of starting probe begun. Let's do a news magazine, and that's how probe was started out of a need to get to do something for which I was rejected. Well, not exactly. No, it, it was. <laughs> it was. It wasn't the. It wasn't the exact exchange. Basically, there was no putting you down. Yeah, if, if it was a good idea. But it was high like risk, that. right? Would it be accepted? Um, will will they will will we have airtime? I mean, this was like the big question, and it took us a long time to get airtime. What is it that keeps you going when it's a difficult moment like that, or when it's, for example, uh, like that? You said you had to push so hard to find an audience, to find uh, sponsors, to even find a network to back you up. What kept you going? What was it that gave you that faith in the in the product, in the in the idea? In I the think show? there was a stubborn streak. A stubborn streak that uh, you can do it, you know? The story of the little train uh, who kept on chug-chug-chugging up the hill and all the big trains said, no, you can't get up here. And the little train said, we will. And I think that's what it was. It was a stubborn streak that kept on saying, you can do it, try it. And there were people who were saying, you know, you're doing good work. There were a few people who were saying that. Right. And you were encouraged by that. And also, I think it was the enthusiasm of my team, because they were so they were so devoted. I mean, it, it would have been criminal to say, "Let's just give up because we're not going to make it." The team was was absolutely devoted. They were not they were not afraid. I mean, they were young, they were um, idealistic. It's great to work with a young idealistic team because they're like. Uh, they're like uh, bulldogs. You can't stop them. You can't rein them in. They just keep on going and going and going. And one thing about working with young people is they have all kinds of ideas, crazy ideas. They, they experiment with all kinds of things. And my attitude then was let all ideas come. Do not put any barriers. Do not say, no, it has to be left to right. When they wanted it right to left, we said, go ahead. From from the stages of your life, what are the things that you remember most, and what might distinguish one phase from another for you? More than more than the money, and more than the bottom line, for every journalist to be accepted as a legitimate, um, respected member of the journalism field is really the price to aspire for, and we were able to do that. Uh, I that, think was that also like a personal goal for you i mean speaking as a as a woman for example as yes opposed to yes because i i'm glad you brought that up marga because at that time um uh, the males uh the field was dominated by males and there were very very few females and the females who were there were um largely viewed as for the uh the social beat for those who would cover the social events uh, there were hardly any females in news. 
And in fact, most of the newsreaders were male because they believed in the male, low baritone, authoritarian voice. That was the traditional view. But that was broken by several women who were, who were trying to break the glass ceiling. Uh, not consciously, huh? they just worked very hard, yourself included. You were one of the few females in the, in the newsroom. Your news director was the first female news director who was there. She finally did the newscast. Uh, in place of a male, it was accepted. Her credibility ratings rose. Uh, we put more females on our news beats for the stories that we were doing that were hardcore. For example, we were doing with the rebels, the uh, NPA rebels in the in in the field. We would go out. Uh, sometimes we are only males were the cameramen, the crew, and the rest of the producers and the reporters were female. And in the beginning, we had that resistance. The question was, can a female go up into the mountain and cover this story? And the answer, of course, was, we're not sure, but let's see. <laughs> yeah. And we proved them wrong. The, the skepticism was uh, overcome when the stories uh, became genderless. They were just stories. And it just so happened that the voiceover was female. And that was another for me, a, uh, for me, a marker, a flag that marked a change in perception in local media that women could do it. And in fact, some people said could do it better because uh, rather than just doing the body count, they were also doing what happened to the families, these social effects, uh, which only, not really only, but which a woman was more akin to doing. Uh, can, a, can a woman cover a story in the mountains? Why not, we said. Right. And then, so we forged ahead. So that was another marker. Um, then, of course, seeing all of my colleagues in, in pro productions start on their own, make names from themselves in, in foreign companies, in local companies, heading departments, heading stations, was for me particularly uh, gratifying because I had worked with them. And we all started at ground zero. Really, truly ground zero. We learned the ropes on our own. We tried to venture out on our own. We tried to make the mark on our own. And when we did it on our own, that was fantastic. And when they did it on their own, post-pro-productions, for me, that was really a source of great pride. And I hold that in my heart to this day. You talked to us about your professional accomplishments, but personally, yeah. how did you change through uh, all of that? Okay, I think... My career in journalism gave me a, uh, a sense of uh, accomplishment and a sense of fulfillment. Uh, that was very important. That's very important to a person, a woman, to be able to know that she can do it. Secondly, being a woman, of course, the home is our, has been, you know, drilled into your head. Fortunately, I had a very supportive, I have a very supportive husband who helped me through the phases of Wondering whether I was being a good mother or a bad, a negligent mother, whether I was caring for the home enough because I was out a lot of times. But because of that support, it helped push me in the direction that I wanted to go. Uh, post that career, I have settled into being a grandmother and doing other things that I enjoy, which is very gratifying. Do I miss being in media? I think once you're bitten by the bug, it doesn't ever leave you. It's like a, it's like Lyme disease, you know, it stays in your, it stays under your skin. And, um, so 
when opportunities present themselves, it's okay. But to miss it, like having to do it every day, no, I don't think so. I think I think we were able to achieve what we wanted to do, which is prove that we could set up the company, prove that we could make a mark, prove that we could be accepted by our colleagues and our peers, and then make a point. And I think above all of that, Marga, what I felt the most in this in this career in journalism, in pro particularly, is that I, while I already had an innate pride in being Filipino, it exacerbated that pride. It made it stronger and deeper. My commitment to being Filipino and advocating for the Filipino became stronger because of the stories that we did. I saw the resiliency, the 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 toughness, the uh, the grit. Uh, the ability of the Filipino to overcome difficulties, I saw it clo- uh, firsthand, and it gave me a deep sense of pride. So I want to be associated with that kind of a trait. Right. Is there anything that you look back and think uh, you had would you might want to do differently, or that you feel was a mistake? Should have started earlier. <laughs> but no, forty was a good start. I mean, I think I think it takes a lot of. Uh, what is it? Craziness to think that you can do something that you're only thinking of. So it took a lot of it took a lot of time to for that to to cook in your head, feel in your heart, and exert with your effort. And when it did, it just came away. I think near perfect. Many women, as as uh, we were talking about earlier seem to be pursuing careers uh, now more and more over, let's say, creating a family. Do you think it is a choice that women have to make at a certain point in their lives or there is a way? I mean, you have managed to marry the two and and successfully. You know, I I think uh, we all make choices. I I do not view not having a family as negative because I think a career is like having a family because you pour whatever you have into your career. And my mantra is, as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, uh, you'll never really work a day in your life. I, I saw this in my colleagues in my company because they would stay overnight without going home, without taking showers, no social life. It was not. It was not fun. Let me tell you. <laughs> Actually, it was. But, in a way. but they were so devoted yeah. to their. They loved their work, and they didn't do that because uh, they had to. They didn't have to. They could have left it alone, but they did it. No regrets. And I think if somebody chooses a career over family, that is a good choice. If she chooses family over career, that is also a good choice. The the the, the defining moment is: Are you happy? Because if you're not, then you're doing the wrong thing. Choosing to do uh, what makes you happy, I think that has to be uh, a moment by moment decision, isn't it? It's because you almost have you. Do you look back on your life and think, well, that didn't turn out the way I planned, but it turned out better? Is that something that you you can say? Yes, uh, I can't think of specific instances because now it's all a blur. It's one big blur. There were ups and downs, to be sure. There were difficult times, and there were times where I was—I I would ask myself, uh, "This is more than I bargained for, or is this really part of the course?" But then I 
remember I was learning as I was, I was going along. I was not schooled to run a business. I was not schooled to be a personnel manager. I, I was not schooled in this. I had to learn on the ropes as I was being knocked down in one area. I had a personnel problem. I had to get up and try to resolve it. Uh, as we were unable to sell spots on the show, you had to get up and devise ways. So right now, the, the way I see it, it's a big cloud that is a happy cloud because take everything taken into consideration. It was a wonderful experience. I wouldn't exchange it see? for any other experience. That's not a dinosaur who can refer to it as a cloud. It's very millennial. <laughs> I just learned that word from you today. Right. So, so I'm just picking it up. So it was, um, it was a good experience and I would not exchange it. Um, now that I'm done with it, uh, people, people ask me, don't, don't you regret not being in it? Not really. Because I think I hit all the marks that I wanted to hit. You know, it's like a race course. There are flags. You have to hit the red flag, the green flag, the blue yeah. flag. I think we did. I didn't do... I mean, you know, the bottom line, Marga, here is I didn't do this alone. Right. Really, truly. And I, I believe that in my heart. Because I believe that television is, is teamwork, actually. If you, if you don't have a team, you, you're not getting anywhere. What advice would you give uh, to young women who are still struggling with uh, trying to understand where they're at in their own lives or trying to figure out what they want to be doing next mm. or maybe are afraid that, oh, I'm already 40, <laughs> you know, is it too late to try to find something else? You know, Marga, it's never too late for anything. It's never too late. Um, it only becomes late when you're not willing to try. Then it's late. I mean, it's, it's gone. Opportunity only comes rarely and you have to grab it by its legs or by its throat or whichever part is more convenient <laughs> because um, I really believe it's never too late I mean age is a state of mind and of course a state of your body you're 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 less athletic you're less you're less pli you're less flexible but you must always remain pliant and willing to try and therefore flexible Right? Yes. Because things change in the same way that the media landscape has changed enormously. And if you don't flex and if you don't bend to whatever it is, be selective because you can't absorb everything. Some of your brain cells are not working anymore, perhaps. But then you have to be flexible. Otherwise, you'll get left behind. And, and really, once you get left behind, you, you miss out on the fun. I, I tell my grandson, you must always be willing to try once. Don't say no. Try once. If it doesn't work, then at least you know you have tried. And, and I hark back to that little pesky voice that said, try. Because if you don't try, you'll never know. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Folks, that's our conversation with Philippine broadcast legend, Miss Checha Lazaro. We hope it inspires you to listen to your own pesky voice and not let rejection keep you down. Remember, it's never too late or too early to break those glass ceilings. I'm Margot Ortigas. Thanks for joining us and do drop by again soon.